Good evening. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Say that three times fast. Tonight, we're going to be a little lighter on the side in terms of the film noir. Because I find that sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. So we're just going to name off films that are not film noir. Why? Because it's silly. Mary Poppins is not film noir. The Thin Man. The Thin Man is screwball comedy mixed in with some mystery and intrigue. In fact, the 1970s, 80s TV series Heart to Heart basically copied The Thin Man down to the T. Okay. Silent Movie by Mel Brooks, not film noir. Young Frankenstein, we could call that horror noir comedy, maybe. I don't know. As I look around the room and look at the movies that I have accumulated over the years. Murder on the Orient Express, not noir, but suspense, thriller, mystery, intrigue. That's where we're going with A Hard Day's Night, The Beatles, not film noir, but wonderful cinematography. Sometimes it's down to that. And then we have... What is this? Fried Green Tomatoes. Not film noir, but a lesbian romp. And I often upset people when they, That's not about lesbians! Well, if you read the novel from the Whistle Stop Cafe by Fanny Flagg, it actually is. So don't hate the messenger, okay? (sighs) So many films, so little time. So... What is film noir? What movies in the collection? Let's look at them. The Untouchables. Mystery, intrigue, not film noir. Apocalypse Now. Adventure. War film. Vice, not film noir. Pulp Fiction has a little bit of noir-esque qualities. Mystery, intrigue, a femme fatale or two. Um, Sunset Boulevard, Mm, a little bit. We could call it Dramatic Noir. Hi, Sierra, no. Field of Dreams, not film noir, no. The Third Man, which we've talked about extensively, film noir, yes. And if I go over to, there's a wonderful film noir group, and they just continue. And that, and that's what I love. So I asked that proverbial question. Would you classify the third man as film noir? And so the conversation just keeps going. And that's what I like. Oh, great. We even have um, a gif of Biden saying yes, absolutely, positively. Positively. Okay. Okay. This is interesting. I like different comments. 75%. There are some elements missing, but it is a great film in my top 10 of all time films. I like it because all the characters except Wells and his friends are redeemable. Okay. I wish they could have slipped in Peter Lorre into that film. All right. I like this. Yes, but also Citizen Kane. Okay. No, not really. Norish photography, but more of a regular crime drama. No good guys gone bad. Okay. 
If we had an origin story of Harry Lyme, maybe that would be a different case. Citing a noir scholar getting a bit fucking ridiculous. It's dark drama. Crime and a sleazy woman involved. So tired of these self-designated noir critics spouting shit. They're... Okay. They need to fix their grammar. Maybe ask Eddie Mueller. Yes. Although, you know, at the same time, trust your judgment. Trust your judgment on what you think is noir. Okay. I, I love these comments, though. I love these comments because it shows how different people think. Okay. Hmm. One of the best Carol Reed is the credited director, but Wells is also over this classic. Yes. Maybe the real femme fatale is war on Vienna. Its rubble shadows and underground sewer tunnels are perfect places for treachery, deception, murder, not to mention a thriving black market. Okay. Yes, the only element it misses is the femme fatale. The woman, uh, Alida Valley, in The Third Man was a straight shooter. How do we know that, though? Yes, doomed man, romantic fatalism, existential conflicts. Okay. One of the ads was Cafe Mozart. Okay. For the third time, yes. No, I think the film noir must deal with the nightclubs, detectives, femme fatale. The third man is too much of a beautiful European World War II story. And then I found this really funny gif, a thrilling threesome, because everyone loves a thrilling threesome, especially today. Yes, the best film noir ever made. Okay, see, different, different, it's always good to have different objects of this. Beats me, but it's a masterpiece. Harry Lyme, trapped in a Vienna sewer, vainly attempts to escape fate. He's a murderer, a liar, a con man, as fit as a villain for noir as there can be. The noir becomes more complex, and he is the most likable villain one is likely to meet, even though his penicillin racket kills hundreds of children. Yes, yes. So there's that element. You know, we talked about out of the past which is the quintessential film noir okay and then we have modern day films if we look tightly at them would you consider black swan film noir no that's hallucinogenic <laughs> the born ultimatum would you consider that film noir no although maybe there's a femme fatale or two We've talked about Chinatown, yes. Clockwork Orange, no. That's just crazy. See, there's different... I mean, you know, we could classify different things. Dr. Sleep, no. Mm, thrillers. I love... I think thrillers are so amazing. Would we call Fargo a film noir? Maybe neo-noir? But there's no femme fatale. You know, there's the wood chipper, which is a character. Everyone, if if you've seen Fargo, you understand that reference. That the wood chipper is also a very central character. Because without the wood chipper, you've just, you've got a mess. But then again, it creates, an, you know, like a, a snow globe type of mess. We're being silly here. Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. You know... These films, I mean, 
they really get and then the other thing is film noir wasn't really coined until after that era had ended okay so you know we have people in the later years to thank for that girl with a dragon tattoo here's the interesting thing about that that does have noir aspects noir aspects yes goodfellas no I mean, is there really a femme fatale in Goodfellas? No. There's so much going on within the noir drama. I mean, there's the French film Dabalique. Maybe we could call that kind of noir. You know? The Long Kiss Goodnight. Mm, no. That is a good movie, though. Very good movie. Memento. Memento, yes, yes, yes. Although, okay, so Leonard Guy Pierce is an insurance investigator whose memory has been damaged following a head injury he sustained after intervening on his wife's murder. He can only live as a comprehensible life by tattooing notes on himself and taking pictures of things with a Polaroid camera. The movie is told in reverse. As Leonard's memories come to him, Leonard badly wants revenge for his wife's murder. However, there may be a little point if he won't remember to enjoy his revenge. Now... There is new war aspects to Memento. Memento is a 2001 film um, directed by Christopher Nolan. Let's see. You know, this is before Batman. This is before... Okay. Ah, noir elements in the movie Memento. This is perfect, okay? There is yet to be a definition to be created accurately capture of the genre of noir in film. The concept was first coined by French film critics who noticed the trend of how dark, downbeat, and black the looks and themes of, were of many American crime and detective films released in France to the theaters following the war, film noir. The term noir is a French word, and we've already gone over that. Memento is a movie which... Type of uh, typifies the film noir genre in that it has numerous elements which categorically make it one of those. Primarily, the existence of a lonely, confused, and troubled protagonist is there to add to this one element, like the black and white scenes, the struggle, the seemingly bleak situations, the crimes pep uh, perpetuated, the underground investigations, the voiceovers of the lead character, evil paranoia and deception, among other things. An interesting feature on this film, though, is the story unfolding from its end going up to the supposed initial siege which took place. Is it not narrated exactly in a circular motion, but rather than are presented in chunks of the 10 minutes each. Aside from this, there is the alternate presentation of the colored and black and white formats to add narration and further expound on the sequence of events. Film noir operates in specific social, cultural, and historical events. In this particular film, the social context used is that of the protagonist becoming a different man after the rape and murder of his wife. Leonard or Lenny loses his memory after he shoots his wife's rapist and he's shoved and clubbed by the rapist's companion. His head hits the bathroom mirror and from then on he becomes afflicted with integrated amnesia or being able to retain a short-term memory. So yes. Okay. According, ah, 
Here it is. According to filmsite.org, the primarily moods of the classic film noir were melancholy, alienation, bleakness, disillusionment, disenchantment, pessimism, ag- ambiguity, moral corruption, evil, guilt, desperation, and paranoia. Film noir. These themes are evident in the seclusion, isolation, and ob- omnipresent monologues of the lead character who wanted to establish the links to find the meaning in his life. A wide array of emotions ranging from the suspicion, confusion, naivete, loneliness, alienation, hatred, and bewilderment, among others were effectively delivered by the lead actors to the viewers who emphasize with him in this daily struggle to survive. Noir movies cat characteristically have a protagonist who is usually reclusive, generally disturbed, and commonly pessimistic. So that's interesting right there. So maybe we could make the case for Memento. Memento is one of those films where you discover it and you, it like Pulp Fiction, it is shot in reverse. Directed by Christopher Nolan. Screenwriter Christopher Nolan. Starring Guy Pierce, Carrie Ann Moss, and Joe Pantoliano. Say that five times fast. You know, I don't just want to read from the script because there is no script. But I want to thank filmsite.org for that caption of Memento and putting it within the film noir aspect. I mean, you also could look at modern noir. Um, I would quote my friend Jason Almy of Shit Happens When You Party Naked, who told me, uh, I have some noir films, The Killers. Uh, La, La Samaroya, La Sikaroyej, Thief, Blade Runner. Blade Runner is very interesting. And you know, with Noir, it's about the visuals. The visuals add to the story, the cinematography. And when Blade Runner first came out, people didn't know what to make of it. Even Ridley Scott has said he got shot up for Blade Runner. It wasn't until later on that people started to react to Blade Runner. And then there was Blade Runner, the continuation that was released a few years ago. And you know, if anyone could make a really good visually detective story, it's Ridley Scott. You know, you look at Alien in itself is a detective story because we don't see this alien yet. You know, those are the Hitchcockian aspects of Alien. It's a mystery. It's intrigue. It's not film noir because something bursting out of someone's chest is not film noir. Okay. These films, they live within us. And that's why I'm very passionate. I don't want to just pick one movie and then just bore you to death. You know, sometimes it's good to just go off script. I'm trying not to do the ums because my professor of, uh, oops, there we go, <laughs> of, of, you know, verbal communication, well, that wasn't what the class was called, but I think it was called speech, oral communication, I could be wrong, taught us how to pause when we feel an um coming on. And I always credit her for that confidence booster, giving impromptu, you know, and it really helped, really did. 
And she's also a big Tool fan. I want to throw that out there. You know, I'm a big Tool fan. But that is not Noir. Now, they have donned, you know, the Bogart hats and pictures. That's Noir. That influence, you know, I have a Bogart hat sitting on my bed. That comes from this detective-like Humphrey Bogart, Raymond Chandler film Noir conceptualism that comes from German Expressionism film noir so if you're watching Clueless that's not film noir okay I you know we don't want to just categorize generalize everything but it's not okay now if we look at something like the TV show Sherlock from the BBC starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman as Sherlock Holmes and um, John Watson, we could say that there are noir aspects to that story because it's told in modern day. But the look and feel of the Sherlock films, the TV series, is very... I mean, they only do it every four years, you know? So it's like a new present coming. Oh, new Sherlock movie. So we have yet... The last time we got a really good Sherlock series was 2017. You know? Yeah. I can't wait. If he's going to do another one... You know, I've seen a lot of... Basil Rathbone is probably one of the best... But there's something about Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock Holmes and Martin Freeman as John Watson. It's perfect. It's not totally noir, but it's the detective story. Okay? Think about that. Think about these films that get under your skin. I would love for someone to do kind of a modern day film noir. You know... I could go back and say maybe there are parts of the girl with the dragon tattoo. Well, yeah, it is cyberpunk noir. Think of that character, Lisbeth. Lisbeth, okay? Think of the character. Um, what was his name? You know, girl with the dragon tattoo. What's interesting about that movie is the American version did not get the love that it truly deserved. I really enjoyed it. Directed by David Fincher. You know, um, it truly, it truly hit you. Uh, Blomquist, I think that was his name in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That movie has so many noir, cyberpunk noir, thank you, Jason, aspects to it. And there, you know, there's so much within, I mean, that character of Elizabeth San, how do you say her name? We're going to find out as I make my way to it. I'm looking through my collection. Girl with the dragon tattoo. Here it is. Ah. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Okay. You have Daniel Craig, Rooney Mara, Christopher Plummer, Stellan Skarsgård, Stephen Burkoff, Robin Wright, Jolie Richardson, Goran Vishnik, who was on ER, by the way. 
Okay. So the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. We could that's this is a modern day noir. Cyberpunk noir, as we would say. Okay. Ah. Mikhail Blomquist. Daniel Craig, the detective, but also his partner, Lisbeth Salander. You know, Christopher Plummer is Henrik Wagner. Skull and Skarsgård is Martin Wagner. You know, there's a there's a lot going on. So if we say the girl, let's type this out with a dragon tattoo, film um, film noir, because you know the way David Fincher shot it. Ah, here we go. Fincher constructs the film towards a noir. Connecting the original narrative structure. The girl with the dragon tattoo resembles the traits and themes of film noir. The compositional tension of the film opposes past from present, old to new, and faithfulness to versus progressive. Okay. Noir crime fiction. Perfect. The novel. Okay. The novel by Stieg Larsson. Mm hmm. The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo by Stieg Larsson has been on the receiving end of some serious press lately. For the most part, for this con- coincides with the release of the much-anticipated film noir adaption starring Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara. But this post will deal extensively with the noir crime fiction. I'm one of these geeks that everyone despises because I refuse to see a film before I've read the book. As if doing so would burg- burglar my imagination of something delicious. Thus, I am going to give the novel the full review treatment while avoiding all possible spoilers, especially the big ones. Okay. As it is my custom, I'll be looking at this noir crime fiction in light of the ten aspects of my pre-constructed noir definition. Ah, see, he has it right here. The seedy underworld, which it, it, the story moves throughout. The anti-hero, Mikhail Blomquist. The femme fatale, Elizabeth Sandler. A tattooed chopstick of a woman who is always a hair, hair stretch away from violence in the femme fatale. The misogyny. While a frightening amount of misogyny exists in the novel, Blomkus is wonderfully free of this ill. If even half the statistics that Stig Larsson quotes are true, then every woman in Sweden needs to get the hell out of Dodge ASAP. Redemption. Yes. Eroticism. The loss of innocence. Racism. Smoke. Blanquist is hopelessly trying to quit smoking from the first chapter to the end. It represents a clink in his armor of self-control and dismisses his the ill illusions of his ability to cope. Emasculation. Ah. Henrik Wagner seems to represent the greatest sufferer of the emasculation within the girl with the dragon tattoo. His failure to solve the mystery of this niece's murder for 40 years is the ultimate stroke of impotence in this otherwise successful life. This failure pervades all aspects of his existence, first derailing his business and eventually his health. He's consumed by his inadequacy and he takes on responsibility for her demise as if he himself dealt the final blow. We cannot surrender to the unknown and fears that he will die within no- without knowing what happened. He believes that the knowledge will set him free and restore what manhood he has stolen from him. 
methodal methodological thriller and intellectual masterpiece and a frightening social commentary the girl with the dragon tattoo is a superb example of a modern noir crime fiction and i agree right there the, right now it's cold but it's california cold this movie if it's cold on a winter's night watch the girl with the dragon tattoo and we will dive extensively into it in the coming days as always unpleasant dreams <laughs>